Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapters 13, verses 10 through 17. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, from whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The Gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. I have a couple thoughts going through my head as that first reading was done. Uh, You know, I generally, I'd say most of the time, I have a plan on what I would like to say, and then there are times, though, in which uh, you hear something and like, oh, but I could talk about that as well, and you trust the Spirit is moving, so I'm going to try and maybe weave a couple things in together that I wasn't originally planning. If it doesn't go well, we'll just blame Joe. I wasn't planning on it, but I did want to talk about the first reading from Isaiah. Because so often we have uh, these other readings that go along and don't frequently get talked about, right? That's actually one of the reasons why I don't always like having all of these readings. Because uh, each week, there's, uh, from the lectionary, we have an Old Testament reading, a psalm, an epistle, generally one of those letters from Paul, and a gospel reading. Ideally, they tie together in some way. Sometimes it's easy to see how they get tied together. Sometimes it's not easy to see how they get tied together. And so what happens frequently, if you have all those readings, something is read, people listen to it, hopefully, maybe have questions about it, but then it's never talked about. Has that ever happened to you? Right? Um, And so you can't always deal with everything. But as I was listening to this passage from Isaiah being read, it was kind of coming to me uh, a bit more on how they might tie together. You know, something that is important that I've always preached about frequently when reading the Scripture, what are the three most important rules that you want to remember? Context, context, context. There you are, Joan, because you just said it the other day when we were... uh, in a meeting. Context, context, context. So it's good to know if you really want to get the full impact of this passage from Isaiah, 
to know more about the context in which it was written or who it was written to and why it was written. So Isaiah, and we're not going to get too much into it, while it's one book within the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible, it is actually, scholars believe, three books combined together, Isaiah 1, Isaiah 2, and Isaiah 3. And they're written at different parts and points in time to talk about different aspects to this group of people. And so this last, this portion that we have from Isaiah, scholars believe, come what they had, Isaiah 3, the third book of Isaiah. And it is addressing the people uh, that were not um, exiled, were not what is it? Sent out during the exile. If you know the most important thing from the Hebrew Bible, what happened after the people settled into their promised land, right? Moses led the people out, they settled, and then the Assyrians came in, and then the Babylonians came in, and so we have what's called the Babylonian exile, in which so many people were essentially kicked out of the country. And for a couple hundred years, they had to set up a whole new life in other lands, in other places. And they intermarried, they developed other customs, other ways of living. After the exile ended and people went to return, how do you think they were received? Not too well. You're foreigners, you're different, you have different customs, different places, you intermarried, you're not whatever you want to put on there. That is the way they were labeled. And so when they came back in, they were not received very well. It is into this context that this portion of Isaiah is read. Now listen to these, some of these words again, and do they give you new meaning about it or help you see it differently? Because it's written to the people that were not being very welcoming to the foreigner that they are now being called as they come back in. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like noonday. Oh, it's not just words, but you can hear them actually being um, encouraged to take action, to abandon these, I guess you could say, horrible ways that they had developed in which they cordoned off a certain group of people and brought, remember who you all are. Remember what's going on. And you can keep going from, uh, as we go through that. The Lord will, con will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong and you shall be watered like a watered garden. Right? As you take care of others, you will also be taken care of. It's not an either-or, right? I've heard this phrase, it's not pie. There's only a limited amount of pieces, <laughs> right? As you take care of others, your needs are taken care of as well. We are bound up together. We are not separate. It's that children's sermon, right? Life is a lot easier if we keep separate. You do your own way, I'll do my own way, and we'll just keep going. That's not the way of faith. That's not the way of Christ. And that is what's being challenged here in this gospel lesson for this morning. There is a way that you do things, and Jesus is not going along the way things have been done. You follow the rules. You follow the law. There are, now I'm going to go back. That was all, 
I wasn't sure about sharing, right? So now I'm going to go to the other part. There are some ridiculous laws in place, if you ever look in the books, right? Is that correct? I mean, who are lawyers in here, right? You know, people familiar with laws that were written at one point that maybe don't quite make sense today. So I looked up a couple of these. Did you know in Arizona at one point it was illegal for a donkey to sleep in a bathtub? <laughs> the way the story goes is that somebody's donkey would sleep in an abandoned bathtub of their neighbor. A huge storm came through, flooded, and that was carried away. And a whole lot of resources were given to go rescue that donkey out of that bathtub that the donkey shouldn't have been in to begin with. So we better make a law against that, right? How many people are worried about a donkey sleeping in a bathtub? <laughs> in Florida, if you tie your elephant to a parking spot, you have to legally feed the meter. <laughs> Makes sense, it's taking up a parking spot, but the reason why this one came into fruition, the way the story goes, is that Barnum and Bailey had the circus that came down uh, into Florida, and so they had elephants there, and then not long after that, they started building uh, what they called the causeway, and they also implemented parking leaders at the time, so then they used the elephants to help move materials around, and when the elephants weren't being used, used they were tied to the new spots of the parking meters, but they weren't paying because they weren't cars. And so you better tie, pay the meter if you're going to tie your elephant to that spot. Is anybody really concerned about an elephant? You know, parking's an issue in Portsmouth or Dover. Is it because of elephants? <laughs> right? We have laws that maybe they were appropriate at one time, but maybe they aren't anymore. Jesus is constantly challenging us to rethink our way of thinking and to compare that to God's way of thinking. And are they aligned or are they not? It's reevaluating who we are and what does it mean to be a person of faith. What does it mean to be Christian? Why are you healing this woman on the Sabbath day? She could come tomorrow. It's been... Right? They make a point. It's been 18 years. What's one more day? Does it really matter, Jesus, to her? Right? Jesus very easily could have said, you know what? You're right. That's, that's the law. That's the way we've always done things. That's the thing. Right? But what does Jesus do instead? He heals her. And what I find really interesting, after one, he calls her woman, so we don't have a name. But after we get the protest, why did you do it? How does Jesus refer to this woman to those who are protesting? What is the name he now uses? You can look it up. You can cheat. Don't worry about it, right? This isn't a test in school where you're going to fail. What name does he use? Daughter of Abraham. By using that word, that phrase, daughter of Abraham, what is Jesus doing? bringing her into this community. She is not her disease. She is a human. And he goes on and tells the people, you have animals that need help on the Sabbath, and you do that, right? You've watered them, you untie them, and yet you're not going to help this woman because 
that's not what you've always done? Right? Treat animals better. Are you not going to treat this daughter of Abraham, one of your own, and heal her or cure her when you can? I said it before and I'll say it again. We really have one name from God. Beloved. That is it. Anybody and everywhere, people you love, people you don't love, people you don't like, people you hate, people who hate you, we all have the same name. Beloved. And it is because of that name that should dictate how we treat everybody. Those whom we love, those whom we don't love, those whom we hate, those whom hate us. The way you treat yourself. Because we never think poorly of ourselves when we look in the mirror, do we? Daughter of Abraham, beloved, we are one people in Christ. No Jew, nor Greek, nor slave, nor free. And that will challenge some of our deepest suppositions that we have created in this world, will it not? It's like we talked about last week. I mentioned this phrase or this quote, right? If you really want to cause conflict, work for peace. <laughs> because if we are all one, it redefines how we treat each other. And so much of the world is based on who somebody is, and that will dictate how I treat you. Where you're allowed where you're not allowed. Can you participate? Can you not participate? Is someone better or is somebody worse? Jesus challenges all of that, including thinking about yourself. You have one name. Daughter or son of Abraham. Beloved. Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.